from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. 9 a.m. Eastern or 902 Eastern at this point. Thank you for tuning in this morning. We've got a busy, busy show for all of y'all today. Like every day, it seems like more and more things get added to our list of responsibilities as practitioners. I'm really excited to share that tomorrow. I will be dropping a Friday conversation episode with my good friend, fellow practitioner, uh, Sue Baragamo. We talk about the SEC cybersecurity rules. We talk about Joe Sullivan. We talk about a lot of really great things, some really good tidbits there. And and, and my favorite part is, you know, she goes, uh, when she wrote her book, Sue, um, she said, so you want to become a CISO? And if there's a whole chapter about that, we talk a little bit about that as well. So make sure you tune in tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern for that uh, episode. It's going to be really, really special. Check out our Substack for some exclusive content as well. And without further ado, join me for our coffee cup of cheers this morning. Cup of cheers, y'all. Let's go ahead and kick off this morning's show. We've got Hewlett Packard joining Microsoft as the latest victim being identified by a multi-month-long data exfiltration and corporate espionage conducted by, apparently, the Russians. So Microsoft filed their 8K over the weekend last week. Now it's Hewlett Packard Enterprises revealed in their filing that on December 12th, the threat group identified that Cozy Bear had hacked their cloud-based email environment. The investigation of the incident and the scope is still ongoing, but they now understand it's likely related to earlier activity by this threat actor when they were notified in June of 2023 involving unauthorized access and exfiltration of a limited number of SharePoint files as early as May of last year. Following notice in June, they investigated with the assistance of external experts to containment and remediation measures, but apparently they didn't eradicate the activity. Instead, um, they just kind of uh, followed the the basic trail. They didn't really go deep, and I think that's one of the challenges of forensics, right? The difference between when do you go all the way through because those are costly and, and they're very expensive and they take a lot of resources to this is what we've identified. This is what we can see. Let's go ahead and move on. It's likely that the attackers used the password spray attack to compromise a legacy non-production tenant, then it leveraged those account permissions to access corporate emails. That's what happened with Microsoft. Um, the company doesn't expect the incident to have any sort of material impact. Um, but then again, they don't know the full scope yet of everything. So how could they know? And that's one of the challenges with the SEC filing. Uh, rules is well we don't expect material impact okay this is four days in that you're reporting this how could you know so just saying there's something to be said about that and so there's that new york fintech uh equaland says its operations have been disrupted after some systems were taken offline on monday of this week Following the incident, the technology, data, and analytics company also detected unauthorized access on its network, and it's now working to restore all affected services. In a statement to Bleeping Computer, they said on January 22nd, Equilin identified a technical issue that placed portions of their systems offline. 
They immediately launched an investigation, identified a cybersecurity incident involving unauthorized access to their systems, took steps to secure the environment, and are working to methodically restore the involved services as quickly as possible. They've hired a third uh, party expert to investigate the breach. The company has yet to disclose if any company or customer data has been stolen. Again, this is really uh, fast here. Um, news of the attack uh, come less than a week after Equaland announced that it was it will be acquired by private equity firm Welsh, Carson, Anderson, and Stowe. The transaction was set to close in Q2 of this year, pending regulatory approval. Um, so we'll see the nature of the attack and we'll get more information as it becomes available. And like always, we'll follow up and share that with all of y'all here. If you're using Jenkins for your CI/CD automation, there's a um, there's nine security flaws that have been resolved, including a critical bug that, if successfully exploited, could result in remote code execution. The CVE for that specific flaw is 2024-23897. It's been described as an arbitrary file read vulnerability through the built-in command line interface. Jenkins uses the args4j library to parse commands, um, arguments, and options on the Jenkins controller while processing cli command this command parser has a feature that replaces an at character followed by a file path in an argument with the file's contents this feature is enabled by default in uh and jenkins 2.441 and earlier and lts 2.426.2 and earlier does not disable it so you want to make sure you get those updated uh, and patched up as soon as possible portra is joining pro progress move it and others with another significant vulnerability in the managed file transfer software that the company disclosed just a few days ago uh, about the threat from almost seven weeks ago the release of the exploits means that now mass attacks targeting the flaw are almost certain to begin soon if they haven't already begun uh, according to telemetry that tenable analyzed Less than 4% of Go Anywhere MFT assets appear to be a fixed version, meaning 96% of them are at a significantly heightened risk of compromise. This is progress, move it all over again, right? So one, if you're using Fortress Go Anywhere, please make sure to get it patched. Clop last year exploited a zero-day bug um, to deploy a ransomware. This is an authentication bypass, CVE 2024-0204. Y'all can read all about that in the show notes and in the link attached. Fortra informed customers on December 7th, and yet only 4% patched. That just lets you know that you ought to be really immediate with your customers. And, and maybe the relationship of patching needs to change. Maybe the relationship of zero days between a provider to a customer needs to change because one could argue that the provider of the software with the zero day is taking on all the risk while the customer might be taking reputational risk and data risk at the end of the day they're going to sue and 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 try to recover from the, the the service provider this being fortra maybe there's an argument to be made that zero days should be automatically patched by the vendors the moment they're discovered with the patch in coordination with the customer but within seven days and if the customer doesn't patch it within a specific period of time then shouldn't that responsibility and that burden be laid on the customer again there's something to be said about that when they gave people a, a notice on december 7th that hey we've got a zero day 
got to plug it up and only 4% did anything about it. Is that a Fortra problem or is that a customer problem? It's a worthy debate to be had um, and one definitely worthwhile to discuss. So uh, if, you, if you're using that, please make sure to get it patched ASAP. Cisco on their end are also announcing patches for a critical severity vulnerability in their multiple unified communications and contact center solution products. CVE 2024-20253 with a CVSS score of 9.9 exists because user-provided uh, data is not properly processed when read into memory. An attacker could exploit this vulnerability by sending a crafted message to a listening port of an affected device. A successful exploit could allow the attacker to execute arbitrary commands on the underlying OS with the privilege of the web service user. An attacker able to exploit the security defect to access the OS could gain root access to a vulnerable device. The flaw impacts the default configuration of packaged contact center enterprise, unified communication manager, unified communication manager, IM and presence service, unified communication manager, session management edition, unified contact center enterprises, unified contact center express, unity connection, and virtualized voice browser. You want to make sure to get those patched ASAP as well. GitLab joins another one with over 5,300 internet exposed instances that are vulnerable to CVE 2023-7028, a zero-click account takeover flaw that GitLab, sorry, GitLab warned earlier about this month. This has a perfect 10 score on the CVSS scale. It does allow attackers to send password reset emails for a targeted account to an attacker-controlled email address, essentially allowing them to take over the account. We talked about this earlier this week, or I believe it was last week, um, and the issue still commences. There's still 5,300 internet-exposed instances of this still available. This goes to our story with uh, Fortress Go Anywhere MFT. Defenders let you know it's serious, it's significant, maybe contractually, the time has come. That if you can't reasonably patch something within seven days or 10 days or 14 days, 30 days, then the liability turns to you and you absolve the company of that liability. Something to be said about that. 721 of these, by the way, exist uh, are in Russia, 730 in Germany, 964 are in the US and 503 are in China. Iran's got 98 and uh, France with 298 as well. So you can see that there's a slew of these all over the world that are still unpatched and need to be addressed. And in wrapping up our news for this week and for the show today, cybercriminals stole 1.7 billion from crypto funds in 2023 as attacks continue to proliferate. Uh, that's 1.7 billion in cryptocurrency platforms. That's down from uh, by about 2 billion, which was the record high set the previous year. Um, but despite the drop in money lost, the number of individual incidents targeting these platforms grew. Um, and, and again, there's, there's significant stuff there. North Korea heavily targets these platforms. So does Iran. And, and so do others who are on sanction lists. And you can see the list here. Uh, Mixon Network lost $200 million. Uh, Euler Finance, $197 million in crypto. HTX, $113.3 million in losses. Polynex, $130 million in losses. These are significant. These are not recoverable, y'all. So that's just something to keep in mind here. 
as we view um, the, the the world of crypto really does require some significant attention and, and we ought to be paying attention to it because guess what if you're in that field if you're a practitioner in the crypto space your work is cut out for you that's it for our show today go check out our Substack ransomware class action i debate and present and the feedback's been amazing by the way uh thank you for everyone who's who's actually responded and kind of given their two cents on it could companies use class action lawsuits to go after the countries that harbor ransomware operators or allow their infrastructure in those nations to be used as a setup ground for these crimes there, there's a compelling argument to be made for it uh, if nothing else it adds pressure creates a a different discussion around the diplomacy needed in order to uh, get these nations to go after some of these criminals. Mind you, we know that some of them are nation states, but nonetheless, it's a worthy discussion to try and put a tent in ransomware. Go check that out. Make sure to subscribe, follow us on your favorite social media platforms and on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We'll be back on Monday, 9 a.m. with all the latest and greatest. Until then, have a great rest of your day, and most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.